listening to On Purpose with Tyrone Ross, brought to you by the Coindesk Podcast Network. This show is for advisors, by advisors, on all things crypto, and we appreciate you. And now, here's Tyrone. All right, welcome to this live edition of the On Purpose podcast. Please believe that the people that are joining me today are here on purpose. This is going to be a really good time. I'm excited to talk with you all. Looks like Mr. Pokernicki got a haircut or something for us. The gel is in. Everything is looking good. (laughs) Uh, Before we get started, I want to thank everybody for joining. I want to thank everybody over at Coindesk that is working hard behind the scenes to put this together. It's really a unique thing what we're putting together here for advisors by advisors. So the three of you, thank you for coming on. Sunaina, Andrew, Adam, I'm excited to dive right in, but hello, how are you all? Excellent. How are you? Fantastic. Fantastic. All is well. We survived election night and uh, I'm sure this is what everyone is, every financial advisor out there right now is focused on Bitcoin. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) absolutely. So, so prior to, you know, we started, the, the results started rolling in. Bitcoin cracked 14,000 for a minute. That was exciting. So again, we're talking to FA landscape here. I think what was interesting here is people saw in, you know, the teaser video that I did. We have some, some different perspectives here that I think are important. Obviously, you know, Andy, yourself and I actually working with individual clients. Adam, you do as well, but you've, you know, building a practice and, and having the first RIA that was truly, you know, registered for this, that infrastructure piece is important from you and Sunaina, of course, on the institutional side and, you know, building, you know, with financial advisors and seeing some of the unique concerns there. So speaking of that, there's nobody to start with better than Sunaina. So I'm coming right to you. So again, the FA landscape, right? I think no one knows it better than you from the side that you sit on. As you've had conversations with advisors, myself included, what have you been hearing and seeing from 2017 to now, just in terms of the landscape, the infrastructure and advisors' ability to actually be, feel confident, one, talking about this asset to clients, and then the ability to actually, you know, allocate on their behalf? Yeah, absolutely. You know, let me just start off first by props to you, Tyrone, and to Coindesk for bringing us all together, finding the art of the possible. And and what I'm excited about is making this an AMA and a, and a, and a dialogue versus yeah. so many panels that are often, you know, times a monologue. And I would encourage the audience, you know, stress Please. test what we're telling you and ask us lots of questions. And if nothing else, this is a nice pivot for all of us from all the binge watching we've been doing to hopefully some <laughs> binge learning over the next hour. Um, you know, to your point, you know, I'll start with a story of, you know, it was earlier this year at the end of January 2020, the last time Tyrone and I were together in one geography, you know, having breakfast in Florida of all places, uh, we were actually hosting our annual RIA conference. And we had decided that this was the right timing and inflection point to dedicate a full day out of our three-day conference on really educating advisors on, you know, the whole concept of blockchain, the technology, but also Bitcoin, the asset class, right? Mm -hmm. It it drives me crazy that in 2020, there's still that narrative of, oh, we love blockchain and not Bitcoin. No, we are blockchain and Bitcoin. So we had a dedicated education day and Tyrone was one of our speakers at the kickoff in a room of about thousand advisors, you know, I asked the question, how many of you today believe that Bitcoin is a fad? 
and barely any hands went up. And I had a moment of, uh-oh, because I was prepared that a lot of hands were going to go up and I was ready to, you know, take on the challenges <laughs> and rebut all the skepticism, but like barely any hands went up. So I had to like reposition my question and say, how many of you would have raised your hand in 2017 or 2018? And pretty much majority of the hands kind of started to go up. Um, and, 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 you know, and that was an eye opening because I truly believe that we're at this inflection point with the RIA community when it comes mm. to really starting to lean into digital assets, whether it's from educating themselves or, you know, really starting to use the on-ramps to access the asset class. And when we really talk to a lot of advisors, including you and the community at large, what I hear loud and clear is while the initial demand for Bitcoin perhaps started with the active traders, and that makes sense for us because yeah. they often are the first to lead into sophisticated assets. Now it's the RIA community. I would say 2020 is the year of the RIA when it comes to Bitcoin. And what I'm hearing from a lot of RIAs is that's coming for one, A, given what's happening in the macro environment, right? And right. they're really coming into this asset class with a very pragmatic outlook of diversification, a hedge against inflation, et cetera. But the mm -hmm. second thing that's really driving, and I would say creating a sense of urgency is the voice of the client, which really mm -hmm. excites me because it's their client that are asking them about this. And guess what? You can no longer be apathetic or glib about this, you have to be educated because as we all know, if you don't provide the services to your clients, there's a risk they're going to go somewhere else and right. you open that door to attrition. So I think a confluence of those events, the macroeconomic condition combined with the voice of the client, and I would say in a sense that there's a level of maturity and legitimacy that Bitcoin has been gaining over the last few months and years, that's really driving this sense of, uh, urgency from the RIA community. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up that conference because at that same conference, prior to me speaking, the cavalry was down there telling advisors, get off a zero, 1% allocation, you'll get fired. Nonsense. You're not going to get fired because you didn't put your clients in Bitcoin. That's a lie. Why you will get fired is because your practice isn't set up and you aren't conversant and you aren't educated. So, and if you are a true financial planner and you do holistic planning, a client is not going to leave you off of, you know, not being, having a meaningful allocation to one asset, even if it's Bitcoin, we all love Bitcoin, but it's simply because they came in and you're still calling it baby brains, right? And they're going to go, all right, well, you don't know what you're talking about. You can't answer my questions. That just means, right, you're lacking in your ability to serve me. I'm going to go to someone that, you know, is able to do that. So Andrew, I'm coming right to you. Why buy Bitcoin, man? Yeah, why buy Bitcoin? <laughs> so that's a great intro uh, for both of you. Thank you both. Um, yeah. I, I am a financial advisor, and the space that I am trying to occupy right now in 2020, I think, is the only financial advisor who has published a book that is the investment thesis on Bitcoin. And I have, you know, been walking this journey for the last few years. Um, others on this call, you know, found this thing earlier than, than I did. My hat's off to you. Um, but my frustration was, one, was educating clients. And two, was also just looking at my colleagues and sort of the, you know, the blank stares and, the, and uh, all, the, all the usual tropes and, uh, and skeptical takes. And so I agree entirely with uh, what Tyrone said, with what Sinana said, which is, if you wind back the clock a few years ago, 
you know, it was understandable the financial advisors, they just weren't up the curve. They hadn't done their homework. In the year 2020, um, yeah, you're running out of excuses. Um, I published my book a little over a year ago. I wrote it both to educate my clients as well as to educate financial advisors. It's an investment thesis. You know, my view is that especially this was true before COVID, of course, but COVID just kind of accelerated everything. But in a world where there's trillions of dollars of money being printed, my view of the world is, you know, financial advisors think in asset classes, right? You got mm-hmm. your growth equities, you got your value equities, you got, you know, domestic US, you got foreign emerging markets, you got all these classes of fixed income. And where we are today, there is a newly important asset class. And that asset class is hard money assets. Because bonds, at least government bonds, now yield essentially zero. And they're printing so much money. And regardless of who wins the election, they're going to print a lot more of it. And holding those hard money assets that can perform in a period of large deficits and lots of money printing, I think, is going to be crucial for client portfolios. Historically, that was gold. But now with Bitcoin, we have an asset that is even harder than gold and it has other favorable characteristics. And so for financial advisors who are listening and thinking about, you know, where do I, what box do I put Bitcoin in? I'll tell you what box I put it in. It's in the hard money assets. It's in the digital gold. And for me, that's going to be a crucial asset allocation for the 2020s because of, uh, of where we are today. Awesome. I love it. And again, for Mr. Uh, Poker Nicky, by the way, this is a party, so you can drink. I'm drinking out of my grateful mug, so you guys can drink. Um, uh, I wish I would have <laughs> brought that to the party. <laughs> <laughs> so so when it comes to, to Adam, again, I, I tell people all the time, I, 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 it's so cool now that our conversations are able to be recorded because we've had so many awesome conversations that unfortunately have just been between you and I, but there are very few people that I think have the brilliance and the mind to look at why this matters to financial advisors. But the truth is, you are probably one of two or three of us that are building the pipes and the infrastructure um, that that is going to get us there. So again, I want to get into the infrastructure piece for all of us in a minute. But again, I'll just ask you for advisors watching this right now. And again, we've seen the modeling, the risk adjusted returns, all of that. But again, those of us that are sitting in a seat, why is it important that advisors starting to learn and have a conversation with this with clients right now? I mean, I'm touching on some of the things that Andy said. Um, it's very rare that a new asset class comes along. Um, I wrote about this as well. Um, high yield was shunned by Wall Street uh, by Michael Milken, uh, coming out of a, as, a, as a junk bond trader in Philadelphia. Uh, mortgage-backed securities back in the 80s were shunned by Wall Street as well. And what what is unique about new asset classes is they have a tendency to do a lot of good in the world. Uh, in addition to being valuable in a portfolio, so Bitcoin does a lot of good. Um, it is hard money. Uh, it is growth technology. It's peer-to-peer payments. Um, there's a lot of ways to like describe Bitcoin, but in the very sense, I think the, one of the biggest reasons to own Bitcoin is that um, it's actually more risky not to um, in, in your portfolio. When we're talking about 0% returns, we're talking about 200 trillion dollars of global bonds that have a negative real rate of return, we have this portion of a portfolio that's generally bucketed for 30 to 40% uh, in fixed income that's, that's, that's 
is I'm not even sure if it's producing a return out over the rate of inflation. Uh, arguably, you could use whatever metric you want. I, I know how Michael Saylor has been talking about three different inflation lately. CPI is a measurement um, that we're all familiar with. Whether or not that's a, an accurate measurement, it's, that can be discussed later. Asset inflation and then financial asset inflation uh, and then monetary inflation. And I think... Bitcoin represents uh, a lot of good banking people, but more importantly, it represents a risk-adjusted return for your portfolio that is, that is absolutely in its place. And for us, like our 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 main point to everyone is simply um, at this point, given its 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 diversification benefits and its benefits as a new asset class and what it's doing to money, what it's doing to the digitization and the tokenization assets, the, the settlement layer, um, and the disintermediation of third parties, you're seeing all the, these things kind of converge um, here at one time that is phenomenal for not just like this hard money heads, but this growth opportunity that investors often are last to get access to, um, especially retail, right? Where as, 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 as retail investors, they're often only able to invest in things once they to a, a you know, an IPO uh, or all the different accredited investor has actually been in the hands um, since it's since it's its genesis block, and I think the the ability to actually translate those reasons what uh, our government doing to our money uh, these are questions that I think don't be darned that are never talked about enough, and I think that for me the most exciting part of 2020 is this conversation has been elevated in a way that I've been like seeking out for the last 10 years of my life. Um, since the financial crisis, and I- I'm genuinely inspired by the fact that, like, what is money, and, and people worrying about money, and-, and the government doing it, and, and the dismissive of uh, modern monetary theory is really something that is, I-, I think, something that financial advisors have to have a place of being concerned as the information comes in, and we ingest it for our clients and say, you know, what should we be doing here? Did you catch all that? Yeah, you you were breaking up a little bit, but that's right. We're gonna hang in there. This is where we at right now. We're gonna make it work. We're gonna make it work, baby. We're gonna do what it do. All right, so we got it. We have a question that came in, and I think it's important, and I want to keep this interactive. Um, and I think it's a really good question, and I think it's an important question. Um, so it says from David uh, Varisco, I believe. I am with an RIA. We use Schwab the custody assets for crypto. I have been using GBTC, GDLC, and BLCN. Shout to my reality shares family, Eric Irvin, uh, to get access. Um, are there other options for me to study? Um, I think we all agree that is a resounding yes. I will add the asterisk, but, but I will, I will, you know, I'm the host here, so I will be quiet. But Sineno, let's come to you. Are there other options that David should be studying? And if so, in your trusted opinion, what are they? Yeah, uh, great, great question, David, and good on you for being the first one to kickstart uh, the dialogue. Um, so, you know, the approach that we've always taken, you know, the focus for my team in terms of how do we really bring digital assets to the constituents that we serve, and really our myopic focus is the individual investor and the RIA community, right? There's a lot of chatter about serving the institution, the hedge funds, the pension funds, and I think that's great, and a lot of great work is happening, but our focus is the RIAs, and the approach that we've been taking in terms of when we look at, you know, how we can kind of make a dent is what 
you know, kind of really building up a diverse suite of products and services, right? Analogous to what you're accustomed to with traditional capital markets. So when an individual investor or RIA wants to make an investment in equity, you have a range of options now, all the way from, you know, an index fund to derivatives product, right? So when I often get asked the question, oh, do we need an ETF? Do we want ETF? I'm like, it doesn't matter what I think, what my job, and if we do it well, is that we are going to unlock as many on-ramps and instruments that open up the choice for the RIAs. Ultimately, each RIA in consultation with their clients will make the decision that's best for them. And again, props to you, David, for kind of leaning in and starting your journey with managed products. The journey that we're on is today we offer our clients access to Bitcoin via managed products that you've mentioned, and also derivatives products. And we're very, you know, hard at work in terms of unlocking other uh, on-ramps and instruments, be it spot trading and some of the other things. And the last thing I'll say is our approach is also very much anchored in kind of doing it in a way that's scalable uh, and also sustainable, right? We want to make sure anything we're launching has all the right, you know, regulatory guardrails because, you know, Ultimately, we're in the trust business and we know the RIAs are in the trust business. So mm -hmm. sometimes it can seem like it's a little bit of a slow and steady approach. But as I often remind myself and my team in the parable of the tortoise and the hare, the tortoise did win. So, you know, kind of, kind of <laughs> playing the long game and making sure that we're unlocking these products for the RIAs in a way that's also scalable for you, but also done in a way that your BFFs and legal compliance, you know, risk aren't going to yep. kind of, you know, against the choice. So that's really, you know, how I would go about it. But yeah, you know, one of the best things about the crypto world is if you're insatiably curious and kind of are uh, dedicated to kind of lifelong learning, there's no better place to be. And so I'm glad that you're kind of taking every opportunity to kind of build up your, uh, you know, crypto IQ. <laughs> Absolutely. So, David, I will also tell you to follow Sineno on Twitter. If you're on Twitter, follow her work and what she's doing. Um, one of the most brilliant minds in the space. Uh, and, and that is completely serious. The second thing is you've mentioned on ramp twice. I appreciate you. We're not, you know, I didn't pay you to say that, but shout to my on ramp family. Um, and the last thing is this, you can't say it, but I think an ETF is stupid. And I've gone on record saying that before. I don't think we need an ETF, but we're going to get it. I understand it. It's good. Price go up. Is it good for Bitcoin? I don't think so. Is it good for Bitcoin's price? Yes. And we're going to get it. I understand that. But I just think staying true to what Bitcoin is supposed to be, putting Bitcoin with advisors don't understand inside of an ETF, which most advisors don't understand, putting those two things together and selling them to a client that they don't understand either. Uh, but anyway. I have a pan there's a panel on that, by the way, at the conference that I'm on with the ETF Mafia, Nate Geraci and Matt Hogan. So tune into that. Um, they outnumbered me two to one, but I'm still going to win that argument. Uh, so, Andrew, I'll come to you. If we're still sticking with David's question. And again, you are in that seat. What are you doing and, and what is your experience with clients when it comes to allocating um, to digital gold, as we're calling it? Yeah, so it's a great question because you know the history, of course, is um, is that uh, well, let's just say that uh, that grayscale and the and the digital uh, the DCG family were prescient. They launched this product years ago. It's gotten traction, and um, and it's you know billions, I think, now in market cap. So they were the first mover. But when you look today at the world in 2020, there are actually quite a few products that are either launched or in development. 
Um, in fact, there's so many that I probably can't list them all. I mean, ones, you know, you'll see some of them are sponsors of this, of this conference. Um, so check out the sponsors page in terms of product providers. You know, ones that come to my mind that haven't already been mentioned are uh, Bitwise, Eagle Brook, you know, Pantera, uh, 3IQ. I happen to be an advisor to a company called Swan Bitcoin um, that intends to launch, uh, you know, an institutional advisor's uh, Bitcoin product. So there's actually quite a lot of options um, already either launched or in development. And um, it's going to take some work, obviously, to, you know, research sort of the pros and cons. Um, one guy to check out, I would say, is Tom Lombardi, um, who published a, a paper. You can find him on Twitter. I think he published it in the summer, did kind of a survey of, you know, the Bitcoin investment products. Obviously, the space is, is moving dynamically. So that was a point in time. But I think a lot of what he, what he put down in terms of survey of the space was, was quite good. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where I'd say there's, there's, there's quite a few more products than you might, uh, than you might be aware of, or than you might realize. Right. So here's my two Satoshis while we wait to get Adam back. Yeah. By the way, I didn't mention Adam cause I, I know Adam's going to get to talk about, uh, his, yeah. sorry, go ahead. Yeah, he, he, he'll chime in, but Hey, he missed his opportunity. He probably went to go fix his hair. His hair was tight. Adam, come on back. Um, so here, here's my two Satoshis on that. There's a couple of things here. I had uh, a meeting this week with one of the biggest RAs in the country and their founder. The truth is crypto for IAs are not, is not ready for prime time. Education is lacking. The infrastructure is not there. There are more really good questions than good answers. That's the first thing. Second thing is it matters where you are. If you are an advisor at a broker dealer, you can't breathe the word crypto. You're out of the conversation. If you are a hybrid, LPL, Raymond James, so on and so forth, a little bit more leeway. They're letting you maybe experiment with it yourself. Can't really go out to clients. If you are an RIA, truly independent, couple things matter. Are you SEC registered? If you are SEC registered, you have a bigger, bigger issue and things, hurdles to get over than to hold this out to clients and hold yourself out as a fiduciary. Be careful with that, by the way. Are you a money manager or a financial planner? Maybe I just want read only. I don't want to allocate. I have assets, uh, you know, uh, a held away uh, business model where I bill on assets held away, AUA model, or maybe I'm a money manager where I do want to allocate and do all those things. Truth is, there's no way for advisors right now to model, to plan, to build, to do all these things. The infrastructure is just not there. So the truth is, yes, there's plenty of products, but the piping, the infrastructure, the data integration, the workflow is just not there. And again, I say qualified custodian now goes in air quotes as far as if you are an SEC registered advisor, we're inching closer there. But again, we really need to have those things answered when you talk about the 29,000 RIAs and the 80 plus trillion, right, of assets that are out there that have a potential to come into this asset class. But the truth is, we're just not ready for prime time. Um, also, I will say this again, and you know, for those that are watching, if you do have questions, uh, feel free to ask them now. We're gonna take them as we're dialoguing here. Um, but Sinead, I want to come back to you. So this is where I think this matters. And we really start to get into the weeds here of that question, the infrastructure, right? And everything that is core to financial advisors of holistic planning, of goals-based planning, of life planning, of, as you said, right, th that fiduciary responsibility of putting the client first. There are a lot more hurdles here, high hurdles, mind you, um, that 
if that are just aren't being addressed, right? Especially from the crypto side of building to, to handle some of this. So again, I, I definitely don't think there's anyone better that is that stand in the middle, right, of those two worlds. Are you seeing anything that's encouraging? Are the conversations behind the scenes really getting more into, hey, this is what financial advisors are dealing with. We need to try and solve for that. Um, yes. And, you know, so so I think the way I would look at it, Tyrone, is, and, and you know, and, and again, you know, Coindesk and Tyrone didn't ask me to plug this, but one of the reasons I'm so ecstatic about this summit that you guys are hosting that's dedicated to the RIA community, because it surprises me how lacking that is, right? The crypto community talks a lot and all the focus is on institution and to some extent to retail because Bitcoin by design is kind of a ground up movement. But I've always been fascinated. What about the RIA that in fact in the United States, RIAs are kind of managing a bulk of the, the you know, the, the investments and the money, you know, for, for everyday Main Street investors. So, you know, kind of put, put, putting it there. I agree with you. Listen, we are all, um, you know, bullish about Bitcoin. However, when it comes to the RIAs participating in it, I do approach it in a much more balanced and frankly empathetic way, right? There's mm -hmm. a lot of, you know, pom-poms about, you know, like you say, get off zero, invest in Bitcoin. But then there's a whole subset of nuance that's lacking about, okay, well, how do I go about mm -hmm. it? Right? And so there's a couple of things I would say that encourage me. One is I think we're moving away from that stale conversations we've all been having for years now, the whole fact versus FUD, right? Well, you know, I can't invest in Bitcoin because it's too volatile. Well, we now have proven research and data points that we've used with our constituents, including the regulators, to show that A, volatility is a feature, not a bug, right? And second, the, the notion of, you know, if you compare Bitcoin to some of the traditional assets, especially FANG stock, um, there's days when FANG stocks will, you know, beat the volatility that Bitcoin has, right? So let's put that aside. The other one that I used to hear often that I feel is evaporating is, well, you know, it's just for the kids. Like the whole TAM or the total addressable market is so small that why should I dedicate my finite amount of, you know, tech budget or resources or my time spending on this? And to that, A, we're seeing two big shifts. One, sure, it may have started with the kids, the millennials, but guess what? Us millennials and kids anymore like we're having our own kids right and the millennials and the kids are now bringing in their parents and their grandparents so it's cutting through demographics so it's increasing your market base the second thing is even if it's skewing younger well one of the things i hear advisors talk a lot about is the trillions and trillions of dollars of generational wealth transfer that's already started which will only accelerate in years and decades to come and guess what the new swat of clients you're inheriting are probably more crypto savvy and you got to skate to where the puck is going in order to meet them and their behaviors and their expectations. If not, they're going to go, no, thanks. You know, this is not the type of advisor I want to do my business with. So I think that component is important and shifting. The last thing I'll say, and I agree with you, one of the biggest hindrances has been the notion of operational risk, which what, and by that, I mean, yep. there's been a lacking of the plumbing 
and the playbook. But that again is, you know, very quickly changing. You know, just look at the book that you've written uh, or, or, or uh, you know, Andrew's written dedicated to our friends in the RIA community. You know, look at the work that, you know, others are doing in terms of building infrastructure, you know, for the RIA community, including the work that Adam's doing or the work that we're doing, which I think is important. And, you know, the last thing which we can't take lightly is there has also been this, you know, weight of career risk. And what I mean by that mm. is I fell into the esoteric rabbit hole of Bitcoin in 2012 when I worked in very traditional banking of iBanking and commercial banking. And it was kind of hush hush. I couldn't really tell people at work that I was, you know, being you know enthralled by this thing called Bitcoin because they're really, what are you doing? Right. And the fact that today I have a job building uh, you know, in the digital assets ecosystem and really creating that access to RIAs and individuals is huge. And, you know, for the RIAs, I empathize with that. Whereas a couple of years ago, going and talking to you, your leaders about this thing called Bitcoin might have gotten you either laughed out of the room or yelled out of the room. Now, I've been it's there. A I, I've been there many times. And now at, it's- At Merrill, I've been there. <laughs> when you see brands like TD and Fidelity and PayPal, and you see macro, investors like PTJ and even the chairman of the Federal Reserve calling Bitcoin, you know, digital gold, it almost starts to give us permission and it gives our leaders and our constituents permission to start leaning into it. So I think all the, those variables coming together is critical. And of course, the last thing is nobody can say Bitcoin isn't regulated because if it's unregulated, I sure spend, spend a lot of time with my BFFs in the regulatory community and my risk and legal community. So right. I think the whole maturation of the regulatory landscape is also an important tailwind because it gives RIA the confidence and the comfort that they can lean into it while also balancing their fiduciary responsibility. Right. So a couple of things there. One, right. CFTC says it's a commodity. SEC is not a security. IRS says it's property. It'd be nice if the SEC and the FCTC got together and just gave us some clarity. So a couple of things. There's, there, there's more clarity needed. I've tweeted about this. I've, I've had a conversation with Hester Pierce. The other thing is, as far as the custody rule, we need more clarification on custody. The SEC is also putting the onus on IAs right now, saying if you are going to touch this stuff, when we do audit you and we come to you, you're going to have to give us the framework of what you're talking about this. That's the first thing. The second thing I think is really important, and, and Andrew, I want to come to you here on this, is that when you start to get into the process, right? And FINRA, by the way, says, if you're doing anything, you just better tell us, right? Like, we ain't, can't tell you much, but if you're doing anything, just let us know. Before I come to you, Andrew, is the career risk, and I think goes deeper with advisors because when an advisor is, you can get sued, you get fired, you get your U4 ding. So even if you're like, all right, I got sued into the stone age, right? Like, and now I'm trying to build a new practice if you have that that demarcation on your license or something that you did foul there, that can your whole career in this business is gone. You'll have to go into a new career as opposed to uh, he held himself out as the Bitcoin advisor and Bitcoin went to zero, right? So it's totally different if you make the mistake and you 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 muddy up your U four. So the career risk is a little bit more here, and especially again going back to SEC registered. Okay, so I worked my butt off to build this five hundred million dollar book of business. I took a risk on an asset that's new and speculative to put a half a percent or 1% of my book into it. I could blow up all of these relationships. So Andrew, this is what's important here, staying in the weeds. Cause I think there's another thing is not stressed enough. 
you hang this thing, you, you, you log off right now. Someone DMs you and say, I want to work with you. All the advisors out there listening now, what does that look like? What is the process when someone comes to you that you go through? Because by the way, advisors out there, the minute you are doing these year end reviews now and a client tells you they have $75,000 of Bitcoin at Coinbase, you must reprofile that client immediately. Do everything all over again because you're going to have to walk that client to a new client experience. So Andrew, I'll go to you. What does it look like when someone comes to you and they want to work with you? What does that look like? Yeah, so, you know, there's a there's a couple ways to frame this. First of all, and this may be unique, you know, to how I operate. I, or I doubt it's unique, but but I suppose not every advisor works this way. I like to be held accountable for my investment results. And so I manage the portfolio I control and anything I don't control generally is out of my purview. Now, depending on facts and circumstances, obviously, if a client, you know, notifies me that, oh, you know, I have half my net worth or a third of my net worth in XYZ asset. Now, that could be, it could be Bitcoin. And in fact, I have had inbound, you know, people talking about that. They come to me and they say, look, you know, I've made this giant bet on Bitcoin. You know, <laughs> can we talk about this? But it wouldn't, in, it wouldn't be different if, if that other investment was, you know, a piece of commercial real estate, you know, or a house or a business, it's single asset concentration risk. So in one respect, my answer is, well, if I don't sort of manage and control it, then, you know, it's, it's not my direct responsibility. On the other hand, if the client comes to me and says, look, I want you to be thinking about this as you manage the portfolio that you manage, um, you know, then, then I can, then I can kind of, we can work that out. Um, I do think that it is worth advisors thinking about what is this going to look like in the case of clients that come to them that do have significant Bitcoin or crypto positions, because I will tell you my personal view, which is right now in November 2020, the most attractive risk adjusted investment opportunity on planet Earth that I can see is Bitcoin. And so if you're entering into a relationship or a situation where the client has a big piece of something that could go up by multiples in not that long a period of time, you ought to be prepared, you know, for that, uh, for that possibility. And I think each advisor has to operate in their own way with respect to, oh, I run a completion portfolio, which is like, I know about you had this thing and I'll do my strategy over here, or um, you know, I want to, I want to manage the whole situation in which case maybe I don't, you know, want to be running, you know, a Bitcoin position or a crypto position for you if you've already got it on the side. I think it depends on on each individual situation and the and the facts and circumstances. But what I will say is, there are more people than you think, including prospective clients, that do have those big Bitcoin positions or crypto positions. And the sooner you learn about the assets, and the sooner you figure out how to manage your practice such that you can, you know, rope in that piece of the portfolio, monitor it, advise on it, or directly manage it, you know, the more relevant you are likely to be to that growing set of clients um, as frankly the years go by, because this is a, this is a, you know, generational shift. It's two things. One is it's a generational shift like Sunaina, I think, or, or you Tyrone, or one of you, maybe Adam talked about, that's one thing. But it's also the development of this of this large asset, and even because because we're talking about just Bitcoin here for the moment, even when Bitcoin takes some meaningful share of the gold market, right? Hard money asset 
that's a $10 trillion asset. Um, even Bitcoin taking 20, 30% share of that asset alone is going to turn Bitcoin into this significant asset that every advisor needs to understand, know how to manage, know how to think about it in the context of the portfolio. And um, so, yeah, it, it behooves advisors to, uh, to do their homework now and figure that out. So, so let, just one more thing before I let you off the hook here is what is your biggest pain point? What is the thing that is difficult for you when it comes to working with your clients? Like what is the thing that you want resolved that you probably know that one, other advisors working with crypto clients are experiencing and two, that advisors coming into the space will have to be aware of? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, the good news is, you know, every, every other person here on this call um, in terms of folks who are talking is working on a solution to the, you know, the actual logistics. So is that a pain point? You know, is the, is the moving assets into, into Bitcoin a pain point, you know, or is the, you know, basically act access to the investment a pain point? Yes, but it's rapidly improving. So that, so that is, that issue is, is going away. I still think that education is probably the major pain point for many advisors and not just education of the advisors, but also in turn of their clients. Right. I mean, Obviously, that's why I, I wrote my book was not only to give to advisors, but also to hand to my clients to say, look, um, you read, you know, the newspapers and maybe, you know, you have some interesting ideas about what this thing is. But, you know, here's the thesis, um, read it and then we can talk about it. So I still have to say that education is the pain point. But I think we are transferring into a period where the resources available to educate both advisors and clients are much improved and they're available and they're inexpensive and they're accessible. And simultaneously, you know, the, the physical logistical rails of getting the clients into this thing are also improving. Um, that's what I would say. All right. So before we move on, um, a couple of things, one, we do have a question, but to make sure that, um, you guys ask your questions in the chat and the trusted producer extraordinaire, um, well, at CoinDesk, we'll make sure that we get them live to us and we will answer them. Do we have Mr. Poker Nicky back? Just for me, I don't want to make sure I'm not I, ignoring him. Is he, is he back? You're here? Come on, man. You got to say something. I don't even see you. I, I'm I here. I don't, I didn't, I'm here. I didn't even know. I didn't even see you. Um, I got booted and I was trying to figure out what happened there. <laughs> I'm so all good. Sorry. This this is the beauty of being live, my man. So any any uh, thoughts on what we were talking about? I'm sorry, I didn't see you, but yeah. I, I, you, your thoughts here are important. Yeah, I have a couple of thoughts here. Uh, number one, I want to challenge a lot of the, there's a lot of like institutional partners in the space um, that need to do a better job of trying to make it easier for us to build a business. You know, us, you know, Tyrone, we've spoken ad nauseum about, and you're working on it too with OnRamp, um, about trying to make it easier to get onboarded. We spend mm -hmm. more time educating institutions in the space the big exchanges, the, the the trust banks for retirement accounts. And it's a drag on not only our time, but like it's, they're not committing the resources. They're telling us, oh, not on our roadmap. Well, look, there's $80 trillion of money sitting in wealth management. All right. Um, you know, there is a, there's a way to create a bridge to this world. And it starts by like making a commitment to actually wanting to onboard the space and stop saying institutional, institutional, institutional. Bitcoin is a retail product. It is a people's product. And this idea that all this institutional money is going to come here and be this great savior of Bitcoin is, 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 is frankly, you know, BS. Um, 
advisors manage individual clients and they're doing stuff on the on behalf of being a fiduciary for them. If you want our business, if you want us to come into the space, you've got to create the like the room and the space for us to be able to do our work. Second, um, when it comes to educating on um, on Bitcoin, other products, I, I, I lost I know I lost on this earlier, but the GBTCs, the other things. I think it's vastly important for advisors to recognize how important it is to actually own or invest in the underlying asset spot Bitcoin itself. Bitcoin is not only just a bare instrument, it is a protocol that you want to interact with. You lose so much of the properties of Bitcoin by wrapping it in a security or this fancy little like, My man. <laughs> Q-sip or ticker and- My man. Know, I've talked about this about uh, you know, with with other advisors, like it's lazy, flat out lazy, just to say GBTC. Like I, God bless, um, you know Barry Silbert and Grayscale for creating such a, a product that is providing access. But Bitcoin is is a decentralized uh, asset, and you know the benefits are like they're lending markets. You can interact with it, you can spend it, you can invest in it, you can just hold it if you want to. Like, but we're going to be seeing digital assets take the take a lot of the same qualities of Bitcoin over the over the next few years. Whether it's digital stocks that I'm beginning to see trade on other exchanges, uh, digital real estate, and I think one of the like interesting things that's going to happen that advisors are going to be uh, uh, having to come to terms with is that we're going to have the power to help clients earn um, interest on lending out securities the same way custodians uh, lend out securities in the background, make money for themselves. We're going to be able to do that for our clients in a way where they are going to be able to interact with their assets. And that's a powerful thing. And so, you know, just like Bitcoin's a powerful asset to interact with, it's important that advisors understand why. Like we have to teach them why. The next uh, on topic of that is, I've had more conversations with clients um, that say their advisor says not to invest in Bitcoin. And I think it's, and that every time I say to them why, and I, and I send them a list of like five to 10 questions, they, they said their advisor that won't answer that and they get offended. Well, if you're at JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, and then any of these big wealth management firms, you're telling your, your client not to invest in Bitcoin because they don't offer it there. You're doing a disservice, right? seek out people and seek out partners. And if you're worried about your like, you're, you're getting like 1% of your assets under management getting clipped. Um, I understand that, but like at the same time, what is our responsibility to our clients, right? And, and I think that like, as we, we sit here and see advisors coming into this space, I'm, I've, you know, I make myself available to anyone that wants to talk. I love to talk about Bitcoin obsessively. I don't need your business. I'd love to work with you in some way, but like, I want to create a pathway a that, yeah, I want to create a pathway that our colleagues feel comfortable, like talking about it, interacting with it, and making their clients feel safe about it, building in uh, operational infrastructure that can like, they can support their, I've already worked over the past couple of weeks, five different advisors who were helping, we're not going to probably get their business, we're going to help them build compliant framework for themselves, right? We're teaching them what we've done, what we've gone through with regulators and we've been audited maybe they use us in an in their intern for a couple of clients, but we're helping them set up themselves up for success so that they can actually do it themselves. We're plugging them in with some of the like custodians that we're using for retirement accounts. We're plugging them in for um, where we use to manage master sub account structures so the clients are managing SMAs. And we're teaching them how we're doing billing and what we're doing on a regulated basis to stay compliant with our, with, 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 with our regulators. And so that's really, really important. 
Um, and the, I guess the last thing that I would say is uh, when it comes to this space, I think there's like great educators in this space, like Adam at Interaccess that are doing God's yep. work, um, focusing on, you know, like the teaching at the advisor level in language that they understand uh, and, and words they understand. And I think that's really important for us to figure out how to like work together as partners. And I love it that Coindesk is doing this. I love it that you're bringing people together because you're going to help like connect the dots for advisors to be able to find their network, their crew, their group of people that are going to look out for them, that are going to help them like figure out this asset class. And that's the most important thing is to help them get to a point where they feel comfortable doing it because it can be done. And spot on. And there's so many things there that, well, first of all, let me apologize. I couldn't see you. So I, I, and that's, that's great feedback. And by the way, right away for those, any advisor out there, please get in touch with Adam. Um, he knows this from the bottom all the way to the top in terms of the, the infrastructure, the compliance, the regulatory, he knows it all. Um, that's the first thing. The second thing is, I think what's really important here is a great time to say big shout out to Coindesk man at Foster Wright and everybody over there for, for taking this. This is a risk, right? And, and this is not what they do, but the whole team, everybody over at Coindesk have put a foot in here. Um, starting with Foster and, and everyone from all departments have, have, you know, and there's so many other things that they work on. And again, advisors is a boring, stodgy lot, right? It's not exciting. Um, but I, I could not be more impressed with the team over at Coindesk and their commitment to doing this. And those of us that know Coindesk know that this is, this is the crypto Wall Street Journal, the Barons, all of those different things where we go to for that, for that education. I mean, all the good qualities of those publications, not the bad, <laughs> but you know, so I, I want to get that out of the way. And the last thing before I go to the question here, and I want to get the question is this, you were saying what Bitcoin is, all of those different things. So allow me to climb on my soapbox here, because this is not going to end with me saying what I'm about to say. Bitcoin is digital social justice. And if you talk about income inequality in this country and the unbanked and the, and the impoverished and the have and have nots and not talk about Bitcoin, I'm tuning you out. That means you are not serious about addressing the issues that this country has. You will be hard pressed to find anything. And this is a fact, an arguable fact. And if you debate it, come see me. There's just nothing else right now that has been a bigger uh, salve to the wounds of the unbanked. God bless Argentina and Venezuela or whatever, but the unbanked right here in the great United States of America, there's nothing better. And if we get to that point where we are truly being honest about the one inarguable use case that Bitcoin has, it's that. It's for those people. And it is my responsibility to bring that up. So thank you for reminding me of that. So I want to get to this question. Should advisors be educating themselves on any assets in the category besides Bitcoin? Yikes. <laughs> we are not going to go down a DeFi rabbit hole, but I think I'll start with me and I'll be quick right now. I think advisors should just stay right here with Bitcoin, but Sunaina, I'll go to you. Do you think advisors should branch out besides anything besides Bitcoin right now? Rather? I think from an education perspective, it's always good to be learning and understanding because a lot of these things are interconnected. And by the way, a lot of things happening in DeFi 
are also interconnected to CFI, as I learned is the term for centralized finance, which we are. You know, right. you know we, we are pretty engaged with the DeFi community outside of even what we're doing with Bitcoin. And a lot of times I get asked, well, why does CFI care about DeFi? And my answer to that is it's important to be curious. You know, I love that quote, uh, you know, by Andy Grove, only the paranoid survive. And I like that healthy sense of paranoia, knowing what's happening in the world, what's next, what is the impact, the challenges and the opportunities. And for all I know, one day DeFi might just be normal fine, right? So it behooves us to be leaning in and learning and exploring. But I would keep it to that. I think I would agree. I think we've all said, you know, this in many ways, education is the silver bullet, right? Yeah. Even getting into Bitcoin, you know, whether you're crypto savvy, crypto uh, curious or crypto skeptic, you've got to start with education for yourself because that then helps you be that better, more empowered, confident advisor to your client, which is really what, you know, they're coming to you for. Um, so I think it's okay to educate yourself, but, you know, don't kind of follow every rabbit hole. If you only have limited amount of time and attention to dedicate, then agree, start with Bitcoin. 80-20 <laughs> rule. I think I know where you two are going to go with this, but I'll give you the floor, Andrew. What should advisors be doing right now? Should they branch out or just stick with Bitcoin? Yeah. So I didn't write a book called Why Buy Crypto. <laughs> I wrote a book called Why Buy Bitcoin. Right. And the reason for that is a couple. Number one, even if you want to define the quote unquote crypto space as every asset, you know, every digital asset, let's say that trades on some kind of blockchain format. Bitcoin is still the majority in one asset of that entire quote unquote space. So that's one reason. The second reason is if you think it might be a good idea to hold an asset that they can't print more of when they're printing lots and lots of pretty much everything else, especially the money, then you understand why Bitcoin is the hardest money that's ever been, been created and why it has a place uh, in the portfolio. So what I would say to advisors at the moment in November of 2020, uh, you know, spend some time learning about Bitcoin. It will give you a very good base to understand a lot of other things, um, both macro as well as, let's say, within crypto. And of course, there are there are a lot of you know interesting, uh, fancy whiz bangy you know different uh, architectures out there for quote unquote crypto assets. You know, there's things trying to be money, there's things trying to be, uh, you know, decentralized computing, there's uh, regular way assets like equities and bonds, you know, that are trading on blockchains. All that stuff is fascinating. Some of it could be really huge in the future. So yeah, sure, learn about that stuff too. But if your goal is what's actionable, investable, what's potentially gonna uh, deliver an uncorrelated very favorable uh, risk return profile to my clients' portfolios today. I would say, you know, spend spend some of your precious time learning about Bitcoin. All right, Adam, this should be a quick answer from you, and, and we, you know, we got about ten minutes here. But Bitcoin, or should advisors go out on the crypto tree? Uh, Bitcoin. Um, <laughs> it's, Bitcoin is a, a. I don't think enough people understand money to begin with. Um, yep. And I think that's why we're here. Bitcoin was born in the last financial crisis. It's 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 seen it's 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 almost like real mainstream adoption in this one. You know, thanks to COVID uh, and, and and the money printing. You know, we teach our clients 
one of the things we teach our clients at, at, at Dame is that we want you to look at your Bitcoin in terms of Bitcoin terms, and we're going to teach you the Bitcoin standard, meaning our job is to help you accumulate more Bitcoin over time. We do that through lending. Um, we do that through um, sometimes a model portfolio, but the the real goal is as owning more Bitcoin. And at times it means like sometimes not owning a little bit of Bitcoin. So sometimes we'll say, eh, maybe this is a good time to take some off the table. But, but my point is that at the end of the day is that Bitcoin going back to what Andy said is the scarce, probably the, is the, not is probably, is the most digital scarce monetary asset we have ever seen. And there is only going to be 21 million Bitcoin of which 3 million are lost. There are 48 millionaires walking to earth. There is only 21 million Bitcoin of which 3 million are lost. You can do the math. The, there might be some other things that evolve over time, but are, from a base level perspective, I think that like from a, of a visor learning this market, understanding what it's like to interact with the decentralized uh, asset, to learn with like something that has wallets, that has private keys, that has public keys, understanding that they act like emails and passwords and the private key unlocks. You need to just really understand the basics and the fundamentals before you go off and, and, and try to invest in other things. And, you know, to be to be quite frank, we've talked about this, Tyrone, several times, sending clients to exchanges like Coinbase and Kraken, while God bless them for the, the, the work they do, like, it creates FOMO, it creates like this idea that I'm going to create the next Bitcoin It like it has crushed investors in the past by yep. jumping into things they do not understand. They are scams. And I think that we have to do our job to protect investors as they enter this space, make sure they're doing it the right way and make sure they're interacting with the, for the real use case that we're out here for, which is, you know, store value, money and, and fixing the money and trying to fix the world. Because that's the thing that I think going back to what you were talking about with un, uh, addressing the unbanked, addressing the people who are underserved, addressing the people uh, they don't, that are. They don't, want, they, don't, they don't want to do that. They don't want to do that. That's my job. <laughs> that's on me. It's, it's easy to talk about investable portfolios. You and I have had that conversation, but I am going to keep the shotgun on the unbanked because that is the indisputable use case, but it doesn't make for the headlines. Um, but I want to be real quick here. We got to go rapid fire. Sanena, there's a lot of questions for you because you're the smart one. All right. The market infrastructure, the market structure and liquidity still seems very immature for digital assets. Are you seeing an increase in the number of counterparties that institutional investors and high-end intermediaries can trust and can adhere to their requirements? How are you making front-end functionality more familiar to traditional institutional investors? I'll take the last piece of that. The last piece of that question is on-ramp. Wait on it. It's coming. Um, but as far as market structure and liquidity, rapid fire, what are you seeing there? Yeah, that's a very actually astute observation by Sam there. So market structure, liquidity, and like you said, user experience, I think those are critical make it or break it. You know, everybody keeps saying, you know, the rush of the next wave of market participants are coming. I'm like, well, wait a minute, but is Bitcoin ready for it, right? And these three critical areas uh, are component. What we're seeing from our vantage point is um, that the reason these are important is because you want to make the experience as analogous to what the RIAs already have with capital markets, because when you or your client have a finite amount of dollars or, or, or fiat currency, and you decide where you want to make that investment, if there's any layer of friction trying to access or on-ramp into Bitcoin, people are going to go, hey, I'm just going to go with what I know, and I don't have to worry about the 50 things, right? So I think that's why it's important. Um, 
the progress we're seeing that I like is the focus of partnerships and investments, which we also participate in. And the ethos really is as traditional incumbents, what are our core competencies? And again, we've been in business for 40 years, liquidity, market making, market data is something we know inside and out. And our approach has been, how do we take that and partner with crypto natives and kind of, you know, kind of create that force multiplier, right? One plus one can equal 10. And I think the other thing that I'm seeing that's very positive is, as Jim Barksdale quote goes, there's only two ways to make money, bundling and unbundling. And we're seeing a hyper activity in the crypto ecosystem, of, you know, counterparties coming together or custodians and prime brokerage and really kind of creating a, 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 you know, the market structure, market data, liquidity uh, with a level of sophistication that, you know, we are accustomed to in traditional markets and capital markets and kind of bring some of that know-how uh, and, uh, you know, and kind of help out the RIAs in that way. All right. They're, they're rushing me here. We got to be quick on this. Two Ocean Trust recently received a clearance to operate as a qualified custodian for digital assets. Does this change the custody landscape at all? Mr. Pokernicki, yes or no? Big deal or no? Uh, yes and no. Um, I, I think that, like, I, I think with the, you know, we, you obviously know we use custodians. We use, we use qualified custodian on the asset side. Uh, with Gemini, are they considered a qualified custodian or not? Look, we have to figure out on a regulatory perspective uh, what is going to like like follow on the letter of the law. We're always involving the regulators. Everything that we've done so far has been approved by regulators uh, in the states that we work in. Uh, I, ha- I actually have to go look at like why Two Ocean Trust is going to be different for the makeup that we have. I still don't understand how that affects me. That might be something on the federal level. Um, rather than the, the the state level, I just don't know to be honest. All right, with you. okay, really quickly. So, uh, Andrew, Bitcoin is decentralized. When a client asks you, uh, with PayPal coming on board and other speculation of other big guys, and are and are we expecting Bitcoin to divert to centralize, or will it continue decentralization? Really quickly. Yeah. So I think Bitcoin will continue to decentralize in general, and that's been the history so far. Um, it's already quite decentralized. PayPal and, you know, other, uh, you know, firms, whether it's banks that can now custody Bitcoin, you know, is that a centralizing factor? Yeah, it is a centralizing factor. However, as, you know, I think was stated maybe by Adam, the history of Bitcoin, which, by the way, is part of what makes it unique, the fact that it grew organically out of um, the retail movement um, puts Bitcoin in a very strong position with respect to decentralization distribution of the asset. Yes, institutions are, are you know, turning it into a financial product. On the other hand, they're coming a little bit later to the game. And I think Bitcoin is strong enough and decentralized enough that it won't be co-opted essentially by those, uh, by those big services. All right. Uh, as we wrap up here, I want to let everybody know there is a survey. Uh, the link is in the chat here for you to give us feedback on uh, the conversation that you heard here today. Um, also, by the way, if you are a registered investment advisor, sign up. It is free. You can get up to nine CE credits, nine, nine, except for the one you're going to get to listen to trust and estate planners born. All right. Shout out to everybody at CoinDesk. Um, by the way, uh, I want to say this before I go, one in three children in America is hungry right now. We need to do something about that. If you are able, when you get off of here, please find a way to feed a hungry child, independent of party, class, zip code. I do not care. There should not be a child hungry in America. Coindesk family, I appreciate you all for putting this on. November 9th and 10th, you'll be able to see these beautiful folks here at this conference. 
Look at the agenda. It is going to be special. We are going to unite for a common purpose to bring everybody together for the beauty that is Bitcoin. I see you all. Whatever you do in life, be sure to do it on purpose. I appreciate you all for coming. See you on the next one.